The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So, Ron, have you ever dreamed of a day where you could get in a car but no longer actually have to physically drive to get you from point A to point B? Every time I get on the beltway here. (laughs) And I wish everybody else was too. So I do as well. And I think that that future isn't as far off as it was just, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about autonomous vehicles and how that fits into our AI enabled future and the future in general. I think the thing for us, like for those of you that have been following our research and catching up and reading our various newsletters and reports, you'll see that we talk about this AI-enabled vision for the future, mainly because we want to see if you take things to the extent that we think you can with the technology, what will this impact? I think one of the things we realized is that it's not just about technology, but it's about a lot of other things. It's about society. It's about the way that we conduct our lives and our business. So we're taking a pretty deep look here, not just as to where things are today, but where we think things can head in the future. Right. And the Society for Automotive Engineers has come up with six levels of autonomous vehicles. So when we're talking about a fully autonomous car, it's a level five. But we think it's important to go through all the levels so that we know what each of them means, where we currently are now, and then what a level five fully autonomous vehicle looks like. So the first level is a level zero. And at this level, the car has no autonomous features. So I like to think of a nice 1980s Dodge Caravan, but you don't even need to go back that far. Honestly, most of the cars that are on the road today are level zero autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. So think about, you know, a 2005 Honda Civic, a 2009 Honda Civic, you know, most of the cars, like I said, on the road today, pretty much have zero level of autonomy. I mean, the reason why it's important to mention is because some people might think that cruise control is a form of autonomy, but it's not because what you're doing with cruise control is you're setting the speed and it's up to you to stop the cruise control from operating, hit the brakes or to start it by hitting the set and of course, increasing or decreasing the speed. So as we'll get into it next, there are very standard cruise control, but there are are things that are a little more intelligence. Yeah. Right. So level one autonomy means that the car is capable of doing one autonomous task at a time. So this could be lane keeping or adaptive cruise control or automated braking, but it can only do one of these at a time. So while this is nice and helpful in certain situations, the driver still needs to be fully, fully cognizant of the road and do most of the driving Mm -hmm. in the car. And a lot of these level one autonomous capabilities aren't even really billed as autonomous capabilities. They're billed as safety things. So, you know, Volvo will say, oh, well, if you're traveling and you're about to hit the car, we'll apply braking for you. That's the automated braking. Or, you know, we see that you're drifting from one lane to the other, so we'll keep you in your lane. Or, you know, you want to set the cruise control on the highway, but all of a sudden now traffic is building up and you're sluggish. So we'll adapt or adopt the the cruise control. So they're not really being billed as autonomous features. I feel level one is really being billed as a safety feature. 
Yeah. So now we're at level two. And level two, there's a little bit greater autonomy in these vehicles, and it can combine two or more of these advanced tasks in one. So it can do automatic lane keeping and braking or steering and acceleration. But again, these vehicles are not self-driving at all and need to operate with a human fully aware and behind the wheel as well. So examples of a level two autonomous vehicle include Tesla's autopilot. Now they have had a software update that they claim can be level three, but in general, level two for Tesla autopilot, Cadillac Super Cruise, Mercedes-Benz Drive Pilot, and Volvo has a pilot assist. Right. And I think this is where we're starting into the marketing of, uh, yes. of autonomous vehicles, because when you combine a couple of these things together, keeping you in the lane and adapting to the speed, automatic braking, it sure feels like you can hit the button and say, OK, drive. But these things can't take you from point A to point B without your attention. And as we'll talk about this later, the less that you're asking the human to do, except when things need to happen, the more possible problems you could be having. So for level three, this is so-called conditional autonomy, where a vehicle is capable of driving from a starting point to a certain destination without human involvement, but only in certain conditions. And this normally means in a geofenced area or, you know, very, very good conditions like a sunny day with, you know, no clouds in the sky, no rain, no snow, no sleet, no ice on the road. And the driver still needs to be ready to take the wheel and take over at any time where there is a critical situation. So an example of a level three autonomy would be the Audi A8. And like we said, Tesla's sort of blurring the lines with their Tesla autopilot, how with the recent software update, they're claiming level three autonomy. But overall, the human still needs to be involved and keep their eyes on the road at all times because the system asks them to intervene normally in critical situations. So for level four, at this level, the vehicle is considered fully autonomous in most conditions, but not all. In certain conditions, the car will be able to fully drive itself and not ask for human intervention to complete the trip. But like we said, there's still some constraints. So you need to be in certain geographical areas where there's a geofence. It's also not allowed to go above certain speeds. After about 37 miles per hour, a lot of these cars can't handle it anymore. Overall, though, the driver is not controlling much. You know, the car will do steering and braking and turning, lane keeping. It will do all of that. But it still can ask for a human to intervene in certain conditions. So no vehicle right now is certified, a production vehicle at least, is certified to be in this level four because nothing is really can be like, okay, I want to start from my house. I want to end up over here. You hit the button. The car does all the driving. It brakes. It turns. It handles traffic. It can weave. Nothing can really do that. Again, in all these various conditions. Right. And so nothing is there yet. And I think sort of the tricky part here is that you have sort of some of the vendors are starting to, the auto manufacturers are starting to promise certain things which the cars cannot actually really deliver. And I think if you're saying, well, like, huh, it sounds like some of the level two stuff blurs into to some of the level three and some of the level three blurs into the level four, I think everybody feels the same way because it's like, well, you know, it's one thing to define these levels from the perspective of the automobile, the SAE, yeah. the technologists, but it's another thing for the folks who are building the products to say, well, you know, it can do level two, but... You yeah. can do a little bit of the level three. Right. So yeah. this is the problem. So what's the ultimate? In- right. So the last level is level five. And this is the ultimate goal of a self-driving vehicle. So this is where it is truly fully autonomous. 
At this level, vehicles not only can operate within all conditions that we said, but even in emergency and severe situations. So if it starts to be a torrential downpour, the system can handle that. If it's icy road conditions, the system can handle that. Hilly, you know, rugged terrain, dirt roads, the system can handle that as well. We no longer have geofence areas that we need to be in. So a level five vehicle will be able to safely get the, the person in the car. They're no longer a driver. Just get the person in the car from point A to point B at any speed. This no longer has speed constraints and in any situation. So level five is really the ultimate goal of what we're looking for here. And when we're in a level five vehicle, things start to change. So we no longer need a steering wheel. We no longer need pedals. We no longer need joysticks. We no longer need turn signals. We no longer need anything that we typically need right now to drive to get from point A to point B. Probably we don't need a rear view mirror or side windows anymore. So that's the ultimate goal. I think Kathleen and I both realized, you know, you can't really get much more autonomous than that. That like is the, the I think it's one of those situations in AI where it's like, yep, that is pretty well defined. It's yeah. like either fully autonomous or you're not. And so that's the goal. I think one of the things we've noticed, uh, first of all, there have been a number of high visibility accidents and incidents with, with regards to these autonomous vehicles. We reported earlier, we talked about the Uber incident that went over the pedestrian. We've had now a number of incidents with Tesla autopilot having fatalities now, I think two or three at this point now. And in the one incident in California, uh, where the car basically ran its way into a barrier at full speed, it's because they couldn't find the markings or something. And obviously the driver wasn't paying attention. It was engaged. And I think this is where we think about these not quite level five vehicles. And we're thinking maybe these just inherently level two, three, and four are just unsafe. You know, we understand that you can't get from zero to five without going to through one, two, three, and four. But, you know, two, three, and four, it's like, you know, it's, it's one thing to be beta testing software. It's another thing to be beta testing driving, you know, with your eyes closed effectively on a highway. And I think the biggest problem... Well, I don't think your eyes are closed. I just think that you're not fully present. Right. And that gets very dangerous. Right. I mean, as a human, we've been talking about this. How is it that you can not pay attention until you really need to pay attention? And when you need to pay attention, it's a life or death situation where it's like the car is like, la, 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 I'm driving, driving, driving. Okay, I'm giving up now. You take over. And you're like, wait a second. I'm like two seconds from ramming myself into the back of a semi-truck. It's very difficult to not pay attention until you really need to pay attention. Yeah. So we think that that's actually unfair as well to ask drivers to do that because most drivers on the road now, I think no matter what location you live in, you always claim that you have the worst drivers in your state. <laughs> but people are driving every day. They're in these certain conditions every day. They get to learn the road and the neighborhoods and areas that they're driving on. They get to know the nuances. And overall, they're probably fairly decent drivers. You also know how to, you know, if you live in colder weather states that have ice, you know how to handle icy roads, you know how to handle snow on the roads, and you learn that over time. So if you're no longer driving that every single day, mm -hmm. then you no longer are as capable, honestly, of driving in those conditions. And when the system asks you to take over in a critical situation where you only have a few seconds, that's unfair to ask somebody to do because it's typically probably going to be not always, but a scary situation. The conditions aren't great. And if the system can't take over and handle it, why do they expect the human to be able to? Well, of course, what they're counting on is humans have intuition and common sense and we have reflexes and all sorts of stuff. But to your point, if you stop driving as frequently, you start losing your common sense and your reflexes. 
It's like you go from being an adult driver to being a teenage driver all over again, right? That's why teenage drivers are so bad because they don't have that experience. So we're not clearly at this point where people are losing their experience on the road because there's just not enough of these autonomous vehicles on the road. But I think it's a combination of two things. One, what we just talked about before, which is if you're using these autopilot systems, these two, three, and four, we're not going to call them autonomous systems, these like autopilot systems. And in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, well, why am I using this to begin with? I'm using it so that I can afford to not have to be the driver, right? I don't want to be present 100% of the time. So if you're in your mind, you're thinking, well, I'm not going to be present 100% of the time, but the system's like, well, I'm going to need you to be present. Then what's the point? It's almost like, well, why not just drive? I mean, why not have level one features that have all the safety mechanisms of preventing you from rear-ending a vehicle in front of you, from drifting lanes, from all the other stuff with the safety braking and the adaptive cruise control? Those are all great. Level one is good from a safety perspective. But I think this issue of two, three, and four, where the human is expecting the system to be autonomous, the autonomous system is not really expecting to be fully autonomous. We have these issues. And I think the marketing, honestly, from the vehicle manufacturers is a little dangerous and disingenuous because Tesla is marketing it. And I don't want to single them out. I mean, all the vendors are doing this, but they're marketing it like, oh, look, you can do this. And so when you're buying this car, you're thinking, oh, look what my car can do. Set it and forget it. I'm going to close my eyes and read a novel or, mm-hmm. or watch a video or turn myself around. And that's not actually the technology of the car. Yeah. And actually, Edmonds had reviewed the Cadillac Super Cruise versus Tesla's autopilot. And we will attach that in the show notes so that you guys can take a look at that video. But it was really interesting to see because some of these cars, the guy who was driving the Tesla made a point to say, wow, if I was driving like this, I would be pulled over because it it gets a little erratic where if you know what the system's doing, you understand why it was doing it. It was trying to find a lane marker. So it drifted all the way to one end and then all the way to the other in a wide lane. And the car was doing that. And that, you know, that's okay. The car was doing that, but that's not really safe. That's not how humans drive. That's not how another human expects a car on the road to drive. So that gets scary when you see those situations. The difference between the Cadillac Super Cruise and the Tesla Autopilot was that in the Cadillac Super Cruise, you were not required to have your hands on the wheel. And the system would notify you if you needed to take over. And the guy who was driving it, obviously, for testing purposes, was being very cognizant. But in a real life situation, you know, say that you've had this car for about a year, you feel pretty comfortable with it. So you take your you know, hands off the steering wheel, you pick up a hot coffee, you maybe have a donut in your other (laughs) hand, and suddenly the system's asking you to take over and you're like, oh my God, what do I do? You don't always have those few seconds. That's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I would do. I'd spit the coffee out the window and jump out. in your hand. Okay, I just jump out the car. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. Get the seatbelt off. I don't know. Eject. So anyway, (laughs) I think basically you kind of get our perspective here. Like We understand that technology evolves in steps. Nothing like just jumps, you know, from simple technology to complicated technology. Everything's got to get through it. But I think our perspective is let's get through two, three, and four as quickly as possible because one and zero are useful. People are clearly driving every day. Yes, they're very unsafe. You know, level zero drivers get into accidents yeah. all the time. <laughs> There's nothing useful there. There's nothing there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, but level one is helpful. Level one's a level safety. One thing. But obviously, you know, if we're going to pursue autonomous vehicles, let's stop screwing around with halfway autonomous vehicles. Let's get right to 
level five. And one of the things that you may notice is that Google, Waymo, and Ford actually have recently announced that they're going to only pursue level five vehicles. Because I think they all say, well, four and up, but basically they're only pursuing level five because they don't want to mess around with these halfway vehicles that are going to probably make more news with these incidents that are negative than just trying to pursue the full vision. So I think let's think about that. So if we're going to talk about these autonomous vehicles, I think from our perspective, let's only talk about the vehicles that are level five, because those are the ones that are really, truly autonomous. For our vision of the future. Right. Agree. So once we have a level five autonomous vehicle, which means that we no longer need a human behind the wheel at all, what does that mean, not just for driving, but how society will change? So a couple of ways. It's really interesting. Well, first of all, you have to think about the model. I think one of the things we think about is like, is everybody going to own their own autonomous vehicle? I think in the future where cars are basically driving themselves, I think a lot of people are probably thinking along this way. The car is no longer a thing you own, but it's a thing you use. And therefore, we can think of cars as basically services that we take advantage of on an on-demand basis rather than things we own. And partially, we think that because these vehicles are not cheap to produce, and we know that at a level five, they're not going to be cheap. So we, society, will have to shift gears and say, okay, well, we no longer own a car, but we can call on one to come at any time. So right now we do do that in certain situations. We don't, most of us do not own airplanes and do not own buses, but we will travel on them in mass transportation. So this will be a little different where it's not necessarily like a cab being called and it's not like a ride share. The car can just pick you up from your own house. You don't need to go to a bus stop, for example, or go to an airport where Mm -hmm. a plane would pick Mm -hmm. you up. But overall, the concept will be the same where you don't own it, but you're renting it for Mm -hmm. however long you're in the car. So a lot of people talk about they really combine sort of this Uber model or this on-demand model with autonomous vehicles model because it makes a lot of sense. That really has a lot of impact. I mean, the first thing is that, first of all, people won't need driver's licenses anymore. So when we get to the point when most vehicles are level five and you're thinking to yourself, well, if I want a car, I can just call a car and it's here when I want it and it goes where I need it. Why should I not only bother owning a car, I don't need a driver's license. I don't need to buy insurance. I don't need to worry about buying fuel. I don't need to worry about any of that stuff. We may not be far off from a future where perhaps our kids or our kids' kids won't even, we've talked about this before, won't want to buy, won't want to drive a car, won't have to drive a car, will never have to worry about driving a car. And maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. And then this also brings up the point with children where right now, if you have multiple kids, everybody knows that, you know, you can't split yourself in two or three or four, depending on how many kids you have. So if child A has soccer practice and child B has ballet lessons and you need to get them both there at 4 p.m., right now it's kind of hard because you either need to have both parents do it or if both parents aren't available, you have to find a ride for your one kid. Then there's car seat issues depending on how old they are and things start to get tricky. But wouldn't it be great if in the future you could safely and comfortably put your child who's 10, let's say, in a car, in a self-driving car, and have the car programmed to go to the ball field Mm -hmm. or wherever they need to go. And it notifies you Mm -hmm. when the kid's there and you know that they were safe. And however that happens, maybe the kid can call you when they're there too. Wouldn't that be great? That takes away a lot of the trouble and the stress right Mm -hmm. now of having to Mm -hmm. figure out how to get kids Mm -hmm. to different situations. Now, we've already talked about the fact that if you don't need to own a car, then you don't need a garage. And so we talked about the fact that, well, maybe the garage either becomes a loading duck. Yep. Wanted to bring up about elderly parents. Okay. 
how, you know, getting them to places right now, taking away their keys is a very stressful situation that a lot of people are being forced to deal with, especially as the baby boomer generation gets a lot older. If we no longer have to drive cars and we no longer are able to drive cars, we no longer have to take that away. And they still have the freedom of living on their own and going out and being able to run errands, go to the grocery store, go to the movies, Mm -hmm. do whatever they want without the children Mm -hmm. having to worry about their parents being behind the wheel. Okay. Yeah. Good point. So as I was saying earlier, we've already talked about the fact that without cars, you don't need garages. And maybe in the autonomous future, that'll become the loading dock of the future when Amazon and the rest of the services just deliver right to our house. They go into the garage, they drop it off. So we'll have to think about what the evolution of architecture is. But let's take this now a much bigger step further. Let's think about offices and let's think about retail. Let's think about, you know, shopping areas. Will they even need parking spots? And it's an interesting question because what happens to in a level five autonomous vehicle future when the cars are on demand, when you're not using them, where do they go? Well, they just go away wherever they go. Maybe there'll be an AV garage somewhere, or maybe they're just always on the road, you know, picking up the next passenger. You know, maybe they go to a fueling station or, you know, if they're electric, they go back to recharge, you know, between trips, whatever it is, but we don't need to worry about it. Imagine all of that space that's taken up by parking lots, by parking garages, by parking decks. You know, in a level five autonomous future, we reclaim all that space. What does that mean for the urban landscape of the future? Are urban planners even thinking about what this means? Maybe the roads will stay congested because there's still going to be a lot of cars on them, but maybe the parking lots get opened up. Right. And it will be interesting because right now we do have sprawling parking lots. And I don't know that everybody wants to live next to their local Target or supermarket or, you know, strip mall. But this is a very interesting question. And maybe do we not necessarily put homes there, but do we make it more open space and it's more parks and, uh, you know, more playgrounds Mm -hmm. for the kids and strip malls become Mm -hmm. a different experience because you don't need to worry so much about all of these cars, not necessarily coming and going because the the driverless cars will still be there, but it will be different. Maybe, you know, there's certain there's a certain different driving pattern mm-hmm. for the way that you get loaded and unloaded out mm-hmm. of these places. And, you know, it does make you think about sort of cities because cities have to plan both the transportation in their city as well as parking and especially curbside parking. And curbside parking becomes one of those things that can go away in a world where there's level five vehicles because you, you just need the curb. You just need a place to be picked up, but you don't need like this permanent place to park a car. So it's interesting future. And of course, you know, we always talk about how cities do a poor job of cleaning their streets. And a lot of it has to do with cars being parked where they don't, they shouldn't be parked. So maybe when there's a winter storm, you know, all of the autonomous vehicles kind of scurry away, right? And then mm-hmm. we have the autonomous snowplows come mm-hmm. and allow those streets and the streets are made to be drivable, but they're not meant to be parkable. People don't have to save their seat with their stupid spot. With spot. spot yeah. So there's a lot of things to be thinking about in terms of parking. I think we can kind of keep going down that path. But I think one of the other things about this is that we need to think about sort of the life and death of certain companies. You know, will the autonomous vehicle spell the end of the rental car company? We think so. We think like this, if the rental car companies are not paying attention to autonomous vehicles, just like Blockbuster was not paying attention to video on demand, I think there's, or Toys R Us was paying attention to e-commerce. I think they're setting themselves up for an inevitable downfall. So 
the rental car companies will go away. We think a lot of other sort of car-centric businesses, we even think about what about the corner gas station? If people aren't filling up their own cars and these vehicles are going back to their various recharge facilities or whatever, and nobody owns a car, so what's the purpose of a gas station? Will the gas stations go out of business, you know? So, and there might be a few gas stations on the road. I mean, you know, I'm not sure that they, depending on how far these garages are for the autonomous vehicles, there might still need to be a few on the road, but there's not going to need to be nearly as many as there are now. And gas stations also have convenience stores attached to them. And if this is an autonomous vehicle that's coming and just refueling, do gas stations look a lot different? Because do we need these stores anymore attached to it? And do we need as many pumps as we have now? Or will, you know, two or three or four pumps suffice instead of some of these 8, 10, 12 pump gas stations? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we'll see a resurgence of the local, you know, instead of local convenience, we'll call it convenience store, but basically maybe these become boutiques. Maybe they become retail establishments that get powered by everything we're talking about our AI-enabled future where they can say like, look, you know, all we are is just a specialty. Yeah, but yeah, you know, all we, sell, we just sell croissants all day. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, ooh, are you going to go to the specialty croissant shop over there? <laughs> Call that vehicle right now. We're on our way. So there's a lot of interesting things to think about that change that. I think one of the other things we definitely want to be thinking about is sort of the impact. Of, people talk about the public health impact of autonomous vehicles. If people aren't getting into as many accidents as possible. Also, you know, kids being left in car, cars. cars or elderly parents driving away, the silver alerts. Yeah, silver alert, right? It's interesting. Do these problems go away with autonomous vehicles? I mean, we're going to have new problems, but car accidents and accidental deaths due to vehicles and pedestrians are gigantic, right? Yeah. So, I mean, certain things definitely go away. Drunk and impaired driving goes away. Nobody's driving anymore. I can go to a bar. I can have five drinks. I can be really intoxicated. Call a car, which is kind of like calling a cab now to come and get me. No problem. No DUI. The road's super safe. No problem. Also, if you don't have a car anymore, you are not the we think that the potential of leaving a child accidentally in a car on a hot day or a super cold day whenever is going to go away Mm -hmm. because the car will have to be rerouted. It will be on. It won't be off. There might be alerts in the car so that it can sense if somebody's sitting in a seat, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's weight in it Mm -hmm. and that it will not drive away until all that is Mm -hmm. removed or a person has to override it, something like that. Yeah. Another thing is like we talk about the fact that a lot of people, especially here in the United States, don't seek treatment, whether because they're sick or because they just can't afford to... They don't have access to to transportation. Yeah. They can't get to the doctor or they're too old or they require like special handicapped access. So So in the future, it won't just all be the same kind of autonomous vehicle. We're thinking that this will be many different diverse types of vehicles. And obviously, we didn't even talk about autonomous trucks, but there'll be autonomous trucks on the road. But even for the vehicles, there'll be specialty handicapped accessible vehicles. There'll be vehicles that have car seats in them. There'll be pet ones for pet carriers so you can get to your veterinarians. So there's really no excuse in this level five future. There's really no excuse to not be able to get to where you want to. The expense that you have is going to be the service expense and not the automobile vehicle ownership expense and the insurance and the gas and all that sort of stuff. That may be depending on how things shake out you know, insurance helps cover that. Right, exactly. And maybe it's one of those benefits, you know, will we start seeing a future where companies like Uber and Lyft, even with human drivers right now, start to offer all you can access passes or maybe a certain 
within certain limitations, we'll drive you anywhere within a 20 mile radius for a monthly subscription fee so that it's a very predictable thing and people use it. So something to think about. Yeah. And we actually recently heard that in Washington, D.C., they get a lot of 911 calls and it's Mm -hmm. mostly for people that don't have emergency situations, but they're sick. And right now what they're doing is they're having a nurse next to the 911 operator so that they can talk to the nurse. They will send out a lift to the person's house for free so that they can take them to the doctor so that they can cut down on ER visits. And that's been having a really positive impact on the city. So, you know, imagine what it would be like with these driverless cars where maybe even now in some rural situations, we can get cars out there. And, you know, yes, maybe the time might be a little longer, but we can get these people checked Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. And I think maybe we'll end a little bit about this. And then if you're sensing a theme here, and that is that more industries are impacted by autonomous vehicles than you might think. You might think, oh, it's just the automobile manufacturers and maybe drivers, maybe car insurance or something like that. No, it's like we think almost every industry in the world and every business is impacted by this shift to autonomous vehicles, which is why it's so big. And I think that's why a lot of folks in the AI industry talk about it. Like, well, who cares? Is it driverless cars? Like, well, no, because it impacts so much. If we think about it, already we talked about residential builders and city planners and gas station owners and rental car companies and health companies and hospitals and, and all sorts of stuff. And I think that's the intriguing part about developing the status because it's one piece of that AI-enabled vision of the future. Right. So with all this does come laws and regulations. And right now we have no laws and regulations on the books about how to handle autonomous, fully autonomous vehicles. So we do know that that needs to be conversations as well. And Ron and I have attended a couple events where these were agendas and people are trying to work on this right now and push laws and regulations through so that we are prepared for the future. We also have a podcast coming up in a few weeks that will discuss this further. So stay tuned for that as well. Okay. Well, you know, we'd love to get your feedback and thoughts on this. You know, we definitely have thought about the future. Maybe you've already thought about the future. Maybe you're involved with a technology company working on this vision of the future. Maybe you think level three vehicles are really safe. (laughs) We want to hear from you. I mean, that's the one thing I want to make a little call out to action here on this podcast is that we've heard from some of you who have sent us emails, have messaged us on LinkedIn or on Facebook. We really want to hear from you. You know, we want to get your feedback on this. We want to include you on this podcast. So wherever you hear this podcast, go to the LinkedIn AI Today group or the AI Today Facebook group and post a comment. And we'd love to, or just send us an email. You can send it to info at Cognolytica, C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. And yeah. Yeah. So listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as that video that I referenced earlier in the podcast. And thanks for listening. And we'll catch you at the next podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Fiverr.com. Fiverr is a marketplace for creative and digital freelance services. And in fact, I use Fiverr for quite a lot of the things that we do here at Cognolytica and AI Today, including the editing of this podcast, the generation of transcripts, and more. I definitely encourage you to take a look at using Fiverr for your creative and digital needs today. And I have a special offer for you today. Use the promo code AI Today for 15% off your first purchase on Fiverr.com. Offer valid until December 31st, 2018. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. 
Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.